Open your Bibles. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew, chapter 24. And as you're turning there, I'll just share a little something with you. Many people don't realize, but the first computer actually dates all the way back to Adam and Eve. It wasn't Apple. It had limited memory, just one byte, then everything crashed. All the way back to Adam and Eve. Amen. One of the most intriguing, the most probably um, attention-getting subject in all the Bible is eschatology. And eschatology is a big word that simply means the study of the end times. The study of the end times. And no doubt, the question of the ages has been, when will Jesus return? When is Jesus coming back? In the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew that we're looking at today, Jesus describes uh, and his disciples uh, come to him and they, they actually, you know, they had that same curiosity. They had that same uh, burning desire to find truth. In fact, they come right out and ask Jesus in verse 23 of the book of Matthew. It says, now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things shall be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Jesus answers them in the very next verse, verse 4, and he gives us a warning. Before he describes what the end times will look like, before he describes what the times will be just before he returns, he gives us a huge warning in verse 4. Listen to what he says. Jesus answered them and he said, take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you. He's given us warning not to believe the false teachers and the false doctrines that will arise in the end times. Don't be misled by those wolves in sheep's clothing, by the tares among the wheat. Stay with truth. And where is that truth found? Right here in God's word. Amen? This is the only source of truth that we have. And Jesus warns us, don't be deceived. When Jesus gave us that warning, the fact that he put that out before he even answered his disciples, that tells us that, uh, uh, that deception will be epidemic as we get closer and closer to the end of time. And we see that right before our eyes. So whenever we truly desire truth on any subject, we need to go to where the source of truth is. Amen? We need to turn to God's word and find the answer. And it's my desire this morning that we find truth about the end times, about when Jesus is coming back. Now let's skip down in the Gospel of Matthew. Let's skip all the way down to verse 29. Staying in Matthew 24, let's skip down to verse 29. Jesus said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the heaven and the powers of heavens will be shaken. 
Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, uh, so you also when you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So this morning, before we get into the meat of the message, I want to start with this truth. Verse 36, Jesus said, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. God is very adamant. He is very clear that no one knows the day or the time when Jesus will return. He says, Not even the angels in heaven. This is a divine timeline that only God himself reveals, that only God himself knows. So if you hear a, a, a preacher, a, a pastor, a, a, a Bible teacher, or a Christian, you know, setting dates, you know, Jesus is going to return in, in 2024 at such and such a time, or this and that, you need to understand that they are deceived and not to let them deceive you. Amen? Plain and simple. It's okay to study the end times, just like we're doing this morning. God uh, puts it in his word, so he, he understands it. It's okay to, uh, to study the end times, to recognize the times that we're in and, when, and how it compares to how soon Jesus will return. The difference is we never try to set a date. God simply gives us clues. He gives us signs of the times that we're in to help us understand how close we are to the end. In fact, God wants us to be knowledgeable about Jesus' return. He wants us to see those signs. He wants us to spot the signs that tell us that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? And if we look at the signs around us, we know that his return is absolutely imminent. It can happen at any time, plain and simple. 
And as we look here in the Bible, that's what this entire chapter of the Gospel of Matthew 24 is all about. It's Jesus giving us signs of when the end is near. Now, chapter 24 is full of that, and that's not to mention, you know, all the prophetic uh, 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 scripture that's found in the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah. You know, you can go to the book of Ezekiel, the book of Isaiah, uh, the book of Revelation. All these books contain such incredible amounts of prophecy still yet to come. When the Bible was first written, 80% of it was prophetic. 80% of the Bible, when it was first written, was prophecy. Now, over time, over the ages, we've fulfilled quite a bit of prophecy. A lot of the Old Testament prophecy about Messiah was filled with who? Jesus Christ. Amen? But there's still a lot of Bible prophecy yet to come, and that's what we're uh, considering now. And that's exactly what we see in Matthew 24. Jesus has given us some insight into the end times and his glorious return. Now, the very next verse is what I really want us to dig into, verse 37. Jesus said, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, Son of Man, that was Jesus' favorite title for himself. Why? Because he liked to identify himself with humanity, with you and I. Amen? He took on the limitations of humanity. He left the glories of heaven, he left his glory behind, and he took on human flesh. And he loved to relate, you know, so that he could relate a little better with us. He, he loved that title, Son of Man. So God tells us here that when Jesus returns, that our days will be like the days of Noah. So if we want to know how close we are to Jesus' return... What do we need to do? Well, we need to compare Noah's days against our nowadays. Amen? Noah's days versus our nowadays. To do that, we need to actually go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Turn your Bibles back to the book of Genesis. We're going to be in, in chapter 6. Book of Genesis chapter 6. Look at verse 1. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. So the first sign that we are that our narrow days are like Noah's days is that mankind multiplied. A population growth is what it's talking about. Now there have been a lot of studies trying to estimate the world population of Noah's days. Now, we're in, in, in Genesis chapter 6. If you were to go back to Genesis chapter 5, it lists all the generations from Adam all the way to Noah. Now, if you take all those, uh, uh, the generations listed, you take the average lifespan because it tells you how old they live. You kind of take the average lifespan of the day, and then you take the average number of children born into each family, and many Bible scholars have done this, and, and they've put the world population of Noah's day right about 2 billion. Amen? 2 billion. Now, we need to put this into context. When Jesus gave us this prophecy in Matthew 24, 
the world population was about 120 million. Amen? In Noah's day, we can estimate about 2 billion. When Jesus gave us this prophecy in Matthew 24, there were about 120 million. We didn't hit 1 billion in world population again until about around 1930. 1930. So it took from Jesus' day all the way up to about 1930 to hit 1 billion in our world population. But since then, the population has been expanding, uh, exploding, and, and just growing exponentially since Noah's day to kind of get back to where it was in 1945. So again, 1930, 1 billion. In 1945, the world population doubled to 2 billion in just 15 years. 1945, 2 billion. Anybody know where it's at today, give or take? Today, it's over 8 billion people. So from 1930 to 1945, it doubled to 2 billion. From 1945 to today, we're up over 8 billion people. Amen? So the first sign we see in Noah's day was a population growth, and we see that absolutely today. So let's look at verse 5, staying in Genesis 6. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So the first sign that our nowadays are like Noah's days was a population growth. The second sign is an increase in wickedness. An increase in wickedness. As we see here in verse 5 in Noah's day, wickedness had become rampant. The Bible says God says that man's heart was on evil continually. How do we compare today? Let's turn on the news. You know, open up your tablet or, or look at your iPhone or your smartphone and look at the news and what do you see? We see murder rates growing year after year, increasing at staggering rates. We see looting and violence and, and assaults and vandalism as a daily occurrence. We see human trafficking, especially that of our children, growing at alarming rates. And if our children aren't being uh, uh, abducted, what are they being? They're being murdered in abortion clinics. We see all this around us. Then we consider the destruction of the family. We consider the, the amount of sexual immorality around us. The God-ordained, the God-created family structure, that of a husband and a wife, a male and a female, a man and a woman, is constantly under attack today, isn't it? Let me give you this statistic. In one year time period, the average person will see 10,000 images of a sexual nature in one year. 10,000 images of a sexual nature. Now let me dig in a little deeper. 81% of those sexual images that you see in one year, those 10,000, are outside the natural husband and wife setting. What does that mean? That means that 81% of those 10,000 images are of an adulterous or homosexual nature. That's where we have become. 
the internet, now this is just internet. The internet pornography industry hit over $1 billion last year alone. $1 billion. We've become an immoral society that is overrun with wickedness, just as it was in Noah's days. Amen? So we see here the second, uh, the second sign is that of increased wickedness. Let's look at sign number three. Let's go back to uh, Matthew chapter 24. Go back to our scripture in Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at the third sign. Let's skip down to verse 38. Matthew 24, verse 38. Jesus tells us, He said, For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came, and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So the third sign that tells us that our days are that just like that of Noah's days is a time of indifference, a time of unpreparedness towards God Himself. The, Jesus described here that in Noah's days they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Now, those things in and of themselves, they're, they're not bad, correct? You know, God himself ordained, he officiated the first wedding in the Garden of Eden, that between Adam and his wife Eve. So we know that marriage is ordained by God. The first marriage was officiated by God himself. So marrying is not bad in and itself, and we understand that we must eat and drink in order to sustain life, amen? So what is, what is Jesus talking about here? What he's saying is the problem was that they had become excessive in it. Excessive in it. They were consumed by satisfying the, the desires of the flesh, and they were consumed by the gains of this world. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 12. Come, one says, I will bring wine. And we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. They were living it up is what Jesus is trying to let us uh, see here. They were going through life day after day without giving God even a second thought. They were consumed with simply the desires of the flesh. They had no regard for God. They had no regard for his commandments, no regard for his will, and certainly they had no time to make and form a relationship with him, with their very own creator. Let's go back to Matthew 24, skip down to verse 42. Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed uh, his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, 
For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And we are living in the same exact manner today as they were living in Noah's days. The vast majority of people are so caught up with the things of this world. Their lives had become, uh, become so cluttered with stuff. Running here and there and always in a hurry and, and stuffing their lives with so many things that they don't even give God an afterthought. They don't make any time for Him. They don't make any time to pray. They don't make any time to go to church. They don't make time to read the Bible. They're so wrapped up in the world that they are careless about having a relationship with their almighty creator. Careless about forming a relationship with the very one who gave his life in exchange for theirs. Careless. And we are a people unprepared to meet our Lord. Just as they were in the days of Noah. Let's look at the fourth sign. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 6 for that one. Looking at verse 3. The Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. God gave Noah at that point 120 years to build the ark. Where was Noah building that ark? In a desert. Amen? And if we read the Bible from Genesis chapter 1 all the way up to Genesis chapter 6, we also need to understand that our weather was completely different back then. They, had, they, did, they didn't have rain. Amen? The Bible says God put, um, you know, spread a, 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 like a mist over the earth at that time. They hadn't even seen rain. So here we have Noah with this word from God warning and preaching, saying they had 120 years before God is going to send this flood. And he's building this massive ark in the middle of a desert. Picture that for a moment. Can you imagine all the mocking, the ridicule, the laughter that Noah endured? Look at that crazy old man in the middle of the desert. What is he doing? He's definitely lost it, hadn't he? But the Bible tells us that Noah remained faithful. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says, And God did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. The Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. He preached and shared the gospel for how many years? A hundred and twenty years. Now I can tell you something as a pastor. I've pastored this church for 23 years. And there's been many times... Whereas a pastor, you stand in the pulpit and you preach and you preach and you preach. It seems like nobody's listening. And that's only after a couple months. Noah did it for 120 years. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 11, that that great uh, chapter of faith. Listen to what it says about Noah. It says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget. And what God is saying here is that Christians, we've been warning people. For years, that Christ's return is imminent, that Jesus is coming again. Just like today, we're we're seeing that our days are just like Noah's days, and they have been for years. But we see the, the attitude of man. Where is the promise of his coming? Everything's been the same since creation, since the beginning of time. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, Jesus Christ himself, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Noah preached for 120 years, and how many people were saved out of the flood? Only eight. Only eight responded to his preaching. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. That was it. Only his immediate family responded to his preaching. The rest of the world They were unreasonable with not heeding Noah's preaching. They were so intent in hanging on to the world, in hanging on to the desires of the flesh, despite the fact that destruction was at their doorstep. Noah warned them. Day after day, year after year, he warned them over and over for 120 years. But the Bible tells us that they just continued eating and drinking when they should have been repenting and praying. Amen? They had a a false sense of security in this world. Skip down to verse 39, Matthew 24. 
I'm going to back up to verse 38. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, verse 39, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. They did not know, the Bible says here, but surely they had to know, didn't they? They had to know. Didn't God, through Noah's preaching, give them 120 years of fair warning? Amen? 1 Peter chapter 3, skipping down to verse 19. It says, By whom also Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. A lot of people like to criticize the Bible and talk about how mean and nasty God is with his judgment. God waited 120 years, warned us for 120 years. I'd say that's pretty patient, amen. That is God's long suffering. And the Bible says they didn't know. They should have known. Didn't he call them to repentance while he was patiently waiting those 120 years? What we need to understand is when Jesus said here they didn't know simply means that they chose not to believe God's word. They didn't know because they chose not to believe. They chose to eat and to drink and to marry and give in marriage and entangle themselves in the pleasures of this world instead in believing and knowing and considering the judgment of God that was at their doorstep. And nowadays, we are exactly the same. First Peter, or Second Peter chapter 3, verse 4. What is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Isn't that the attitude of the world today? When we try to witness, we try to share the gospel, we try to warn people, look, time is running out. God's long-suffering, his patience is running out. But I want to tell you that this attitude has even crept into the church. It's not just out in the world. How many have we seen in, uh, come to church for a while? Show some interest, get involved in a little bit, but as time goes by, their faith begins to waver. Or they lose interest and then they just stop coming and we don't see them anymore. We see that over and over. 
and they go right back into the world. Take our church, for instance. Week after week, God gives me a message just as he did Noah. And I preach that message. And I stress that time is rapidly running out. That we are, no doubt, living in those last days. And logic would tell you that these church pews should be full and running over every single week. But as we look around, we see that it's just not the case. Why? Why is that? Because we are in the days of Noah. Our nowadays are just like Noah's days. Days of of dramatic population growth. Days of increased wickedness. Days of indifference and unpreparedness towards God. Days of unheeded preaching. And what's the result? Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, verse 39. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. They chose not to believe. Verse 50. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for and an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I pray. It is my heart's desire that you heed this preaching today. That you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That you come unto him for he is our ark of safety. Amen. He is our ark of safety. Be alert. Be aware. Understand that we are living just as it were in the days of Noah. Jesus' return is imminent. The question is, are you ready to meet the Lord?